Welcome to Tech Insights from Infotech Research Group, the podcast where a group of expert analysts cut through all the noise and focus on what really matters for technology leaders. I'm in a good mood today, listeners, so we're going to look at some silver linings. That's how you get through this pandemic. Sure, it's been more than a year since I've been forced to work from home, and a lot of knowledge workers are out there in the same position. But you know what? It's sort of like our wish has been granted. For how long have we complained about our commute to the office? How many hours have we spent stuck in traffic or trapped in a subway car? Too many, I say. According to Infotech's data, 98% of employees say they would like to work from home to some extent. So this past year, we've got our chance. The question is, what happens next? The vaccines are being distributed. We could be free of the worry of COVID-19 infection soon enough. Does that mean we'll all be rushing back to the office? Or have we grown accustomed to the comforts of working from home? Or will working together take on an entirely different approach in the future? To discuss this with us today, we have a special guest. He's the CEO of International Workplace Group Americas, Wayne Berger. Welcome, Wayne. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. And also today, we are joined by Infotech analyst, Jane Kubtsova. Hi, Jane. Hi, Brian. Happy to be here. Okay, it's great to have you guys here. This is going to be a great conversation. I just want to kick it off. Uh, have you join me in my positive headspace that I'm putting out there. And, uh, you know, it's a given. This pandemic's been horrible. But I want you to share with me one positive thing, at least, that's come from your experience of the past year. Wayne? I'll tell you what, Brian, I am, I'm happy to join your positive headspace because you're right, it's, it's been a, an extraordinary year like no other, but I'm, I'm gonna share a couple if you don't mind. Well, one, my partner and I are expecting a little baby in five weeks. So congratulations, are, amazing uh, way, great news. Baby, we are so, so thrilled and we cannot wait. So I, that is an absolute highlight for me. And, and I would say the other is, um, I have, without bias, spent the equivalent of three years of time with with family and friends in just one year due to the pandemic. Prior to the pandemic, when I look back at my own life, it's just a constant blur of travel and experiences, whether it's related to work and personal and having really the three years to be spent in that one year of, of time, I think was remarkable and intimate. And, and I think the last, the last piece is I've just, I've become more mindful and present. And because of this pandemic, I'm constantly, we're constantly exploring our neighborhood for little hidden, hidden treasure places. And, and my, my goal, Brian, is to live the 15 minute city. And I'm 90% of the way there. We may dive into that a little bit later on. Amazing. Wayne, I knew I could count on you for the positivity. Jane, uh, what's your positive contribution here? Yeah, happy to add to this. Um, one thing that stood out to me, so I've been talking to clients about remote work before this, this ever started. And it's always been interesting how much the dynamics change when somebody is in their home, in their home city. Some people have moved back to, for example, even a different province. Um, since they haven't had to be in the office. And so every time you talk to somebody, you get a little glimpse of their life 
and a little more of a glimpse into their own personality, right? So you get to know what the weather's like where they are, what their home setup is, you know, where they like to spend their time in their neighborhood if they're able to go out nowadays. So I really love that little bit. So what we lose in terms of not being able to see each other in person, and that's definitely been tricky, uh, I have loved to get a little more of a glimpse into people's personal lives and get to know them on that level. Yeah, that is nice. I like that too. Okay, great. So Wayne, we're going to talk about the future of work today with you. But first, I'm just fascinated. I'm fascinated to hear of the experience your company had during the pandemic. And for listeners who might not be as familiar with IWG, here are some of the serviced office and co-working space brands that it owns. Uh, Regis, Spaces, HQ, BasePoint, and Open Office. That, and that's just a few of them. So Wayne, um, what's the past year been like for you and IWG? That's a good question, Brian. And it, when I think about the year, I have to say, I look back on the year with a tremendous amount of pride. There's a number of words that come to my mind. And I mentioned extraordinary earlier and extraordinary absolutely was the word. And another word comes to my mind and it's tough. It was a tough year. It was, um, you, some of your listeners may or may not know this, but IWG, uh, and thanks for the intro, is celebrating its 30th year this year. We started 30 years ago, and we are now the largest provider of flexible workspace, hybrid working options and solutions in co-working spaces around the world uh, with 3,500 locations across roughly about 20 brands. So you can imagine when the pandemic hit, um, it was a remarkable time. I, I can still remember as restrictions started to come in and the pandemic was accelerating here in the Americas, being in a number of our centers, just working to provide clarity and support for clients and team members. So the, the impact of from when I look at the bit, when I look at the year, it falls into three tranches. You know, the first segment was very, very challenging. It, at this point, you're, we're almost in a fog of, of, of war almost, where we were working incredibly hard as, as an organization to ensure that all of our clients and our team members were as safe as possible. So we, we immediately started investigating um, all, all of the guidelines and routines that were sent out by local, provincial, state, federal governments, the CDC, the World Health Organization, and we began, we began to deploy all the appropriate health and safety measures in each one of our locations. We, we were constantly, Brian, communicating out to our teams. And what, what, what was interesting was we were basically almost, we were holding daily calls with our leadership team. Then we were holding multiple calls throughout the week with our complete organization just to provide the information that we had on hand that was changing so dramatically uh, every, every, really every, every hour of the day. Now, right. as that was happening, we were also faced with a situation where you can imagine in flexible workspace, the key word in, 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 that, in that terminology is flexible, right? Many organizations worked with us because, uh, because it gave them an opportunity to have a whole host of, of benefits and solutions. And, and one of them is flexibility in term. And so a company, whether it's a startup right through to the largest Fortune 500 companies globally, 
would 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 work with us on a daily basis, um, having an opportunity to access flex space around the world, sometimes for as little as an hour or a day or a month or you know a few months, depending on what was required of them, versus a traditional commercial real estate lease, which would run 10 to 15 years, depending on the market. So flexibility was key. So what we were seeing in the first number of months is number one, all of our locations remained open because we were deemed an essential service. And we also provided services and space for essential services, many of those that were actually helped fighting the pandemic. Um, and then, And then two, at the same time, we saw a dramatic exodus because we've all transitioned to this world's largest work from home experiment. And to your point, it's interesting, we talk about remote working. I love the points you were mentioning earlier about 98% of employees saying they'd like to work from home to some extent. And I'm sure we may get into that a little bit because the, the, the new definition like moving forward is, is building and is crystallizing. And I'd love to share some of that with you. But the first, the first segment, the first, let's call it trimester, was all about health, safety, deployment, and then, and then, frankly, we were helping hundreds of thousands of clients globally on a financial side because companies were faced with a significant amount of of, uh, of challenges and trying to determine what their own future held. Yeah, and I can imagine, right, how during that uncertainty, that greater flexibility would have been so valuable to those companies. Um, I wonder, you know, it, well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it, it was, but what's interesting was, was even having a month-to-month -month contract wasn't flexible enough for many organizations mm -hmm. because they weren't sure what their immediate future was going to look like. And everybody was working from home. So the challenge for us was we faced a situation which was dramatic financially. And uh, while we were trying to support our clients who were going through financial challenges as well. So it was a very challenging time. But what happened after that, the next semester, which, which, took, the, which took place in the fall of 2020, was, was, this, was this really great acceleration of, um, of companies who were starting to plan what their future looked like. But frankly, they didn't know what, um, what their deployment strategy was going to be. Planning was what it was about. Many companies recognized that they had the rest of 2020 and frankly, a significant amount of 2021, if not all of 21, to plan a true redeployment strategy of their people and really understand what the future was going to look like. Now, where we are today, the future is really starting to crystallize. And uh, you can probably hear it in my voice. So I'm becoming more and more positive. I'm traditionally a positive person, Brian, but I became very pragmatic over the last year. And now I'm starting to shift back because what we're seeing from organizations is they've moved from planning to execution in the new way of work. I like that from pragmatic to positive. Uh, Jane, I wonder in your discussions with Infotech clients out there, uh, what are some of the ways that you saw them grappling with that uncertainty about what work will look like in the future? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I like that uh, pragmatic to positive approach. Um, I'm actually kind of seeing that among our clients as well. So they're moving from that struggle of how on earth is this going to work for our organization to, okay, it is working. And how do we continue? Because what we find is that uh, employees are, for the most part, wanting to continue flexible work. 
right? Maybe not 100% of the time, 100% at home, but they want to continue that flexibility to Wayne's point. So some of the questions that I'm hearing nowadays that people have kind of finished that initial adjustment period and looking to see what's going to happen in the future are around, well, how am I going to continue to offer this kind of flexibility and continue getting all the wonderful benefits of remote work uh, for both the staff and the organization, how is that going to look like uh, going into the future? So a couple of things that people are asking is how is hiring going to change, right? Uh, can we hire more globally? Are we going to be able to compete for talent if we're not hiring globally, if we're not being able to uh, allow our employees to work and live in their preferred location, right? Um, as well as what is our physical workspace going to look like? We've got 61% uh, of organizations who responded to our trend report uh, citing um, reduced facilities costs as one of the benefits that they've seen over the last year and something that they want to continue. So what is that going to look like? Is it going to be a leased space? Is it going to be hoteling? Do they need to plan for more meeting rooms? Because if people are coming into the office for only specific things, is it now going to be collaboration? Right. And then finally, there's the human element. So if we're all working remotely, how do we still connect with a team? That's been one of the biggest challenges of this remote work setup. If everyone's at home alone, they never see another human being, certainly not uh, in, in their work environment. So how do we still foster that spirit of uh, collaboration on a team? How do we foster team morale and how do we continue feeding innovation in the organization when people can't have access to each other as easily? Yeah, I've. I've heard this a lot from clients myself, and uh, it, to be honest, I'm sort of internalizing the data in, in my own situation and my experience, because while I have enjoyed working from home, it's comfortable, there's no commute, you, you save on that time on the subway, things like this. Uh, but at the same time, I am really looking forward to seeing my colleagues in person again, and I welcome that energy back into the working experience when you can get together with the people uh, that, that you collaborate with uh, to some degree. And I think Wayne has uh, an interesting model for us to consider here, because uh, Wayne, you raised this sort of case study involving the standard chartered bank in the UK, and it's sort of a new way of approaching work. So why, why don't you tell us all about it? Yeah, so standard chartered, which is one of the largest financial institutions out of the UK, has shift towards a hybrid working model in, in permanent fashion. So what, what we're seeing at the moment is companies, companies moving forward with a redeployment plan around how they will be working. Um, and, and Standard Chartered, um, what they've done is they've recognized that over the last year, with everybody working from home, um, they've, they, they've got, they have a situation where there's elements in which people are enjoying working from home. So they, they employ about 95,000 people globally. There are people that enjoy working from home. There are people that enjoy working from home Part of the time and then there's a fatigue and work from home because it, it's all dependent on what they're trying to accomplish during that day and, and also what their what their situation is if you think about where where we all reside in canada um there are some benefits where traditionally we have more space in our homes we we have access to to i'd say reasonable wi-fi and broadband um, a lot of the tools we need in order to try to facilitate a strong working environment are at our fingertips. So, so the convenience of working from home 
has, has been a benefit during a period where we've all had to. But what Standard Chartered Bank discovered was it's not the same case for all their employees. Many of their employees, depending on the country they, they live in, live in smaller spaces, multi-generational families. And what they've done is they've shifted their model, which I think is, it's an incredible case study because it's a financial institution. This is not a tech company that is primarily um, primarily supporting knowledge-based workers. Here is, here is a, a well-established 60-year-old financial institution, and they've given all of their team members globally the ability to work from wherever they feel they can best be productive. It's what they call their near working campaign. It supports their environmental initiatives, so they've got a strong ESG mandate in place on a global scale. So it supports their environmental initiative, but what they're discovering is people have loved having an opportunity to work closer to home, <clears throat> have that time with their families, with their friends, and they're seeing greater productivity because they're, they're able to eliminate, at times, depending on where they live, long, long commute times. So now what they've done is um, they've signed a membership program, uh, and it's a program that we've had for years, but it kind of laid dormant because it, it, the, the thought around mobile working and hybrid working was always, to your point earlier, Brian, <clears throat> a, a great aspirational thought and idea, but we're all always so used to continuing to travel to one location-centric place and set up our equipment and work from there and then plan our day from that hub. Now what they've done is moved to, what they, to their work from anywhere permanent plan where every one of their 95,000 standard chartered team members have access to any of our 3,600 locations globally. They can access whether it's common space, office space, meeting rooms, brainstorming space, whether they want to use any collection of digital or virtual solutions. Now they have, an, they have access to a place where they can travel to that's probably closer to their home that meets the requirements for that day and gives them productive workspace versus, versus the notion of only working from home. Now, Standard Chartered is one of the first that, that we've recently been discussing. We've also um, just recently started working with NTT as well, which is one of the largest telecom companies globally. They employ 300,000 people. They've adopted the same model, the same program. And what's interesting is we have now I can name for you, and I won't because I have a spirit of time, but um, there are 12 companies that have been discussing with many people that have a total employee base of over 3 million people. So this is the kind of the game-changing effect. Those 12 companies are moving towards this new hybrid working model, it, giving people kind of a third-place destination when it makes sense. Okay, well, this is really interesting. I mean, we're sort of moving away from that uh, central work hub where everybody no matter where you are you have to go to the same place and it's uh, sort of like a hub and spoke model as you describe it and um, it sort of seems like the best of both worlds right I'm closer to my home uh, I can connect with a smaller group of people but still get that great face-to-face -face connection with my peers and Jane um, what do you think of this model and um, have you heard of things like this from our clients or do you have any other thoughts about it? Yeah, I, I think it's an excellent, excellent uh, option. Um, there's pros and cons to both working in the office and working from home. 
Right. And Wayne's done a really great job of covering a lot of those practical benefits, right? Um, work from home can be wonderful if you have a dedicated office, if you've got no kids, no family interrupting you, you've got a great Wi-Fi connection. That's not most of us, right? So the ability to provide employees with still a, a place to collaborate, still a place to have access to all the tools that they need, um, while still allowing them to live in the locale that they want to live in, um, to reduce their commute, that is absolutely wonderful. And I'll add a little bit more on that human element, uh, since Wayne's done such a good job covering the practicals, but that is one of the biggest challenges that we see organizations facing nowadays. How do you still maintain that collaborative and innovative spirit when there's no more water cooler conversations, right? You can't walk by a colleague's office, see that maybe they need some support and offer it, right? It's now up to us to reach out for help, for social interaction, for brainstorming, um, Brian, if you remember, we used to sit close to each other in, in our office back in Toronto, mm -hmm. and we had those impromptu whiteboarding sessions, right? That is not happening nowadays. Right. So I think the ability to give uh, employees a way to connect and collaborate and just brainstorm together without getting rid of all of those wonderful benefits of being able to work away from a central location that may not be conveniently located, I think that's an absolutely wonderful model. Um, I haven't heard a ton of this from our clients yet, um, but I expect that we will as people start to understand what uh, what the remote workplace of the future might look like and what all the options are. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you talk about the idea of water cooler conversations, and I'm realizing that these days my water cooler conversations are with my wife, because we'll, we'll meet sometimes in the kitchen between our two offices, and um, then it's like, oh, what's going on in your day? What, what are you up to? So <laughs> that's not bad either, but it's, it is different from the working experience, um, and obviously uh, disconnects you from it a little bit there. Uh, but Wayne, you know, I'm just curious to think through what this means for your clients. And um, I'd be interested to hear if it's changed the way that you serve your clients in any way. I mean, you did tell us there that uh, you've had this hub and spoke sort of offering uh, that's sitting dormant for a while. So obviously it was uh, a plan that was available to people. But, you know, ha have things sort of shifted for you? Have you sort of had to pivot a little bit in terms of just the type of service that you're offering to people? Mm-hmm. Um one of the biggest one of the biggest pivots we've had to make was taking a look at the the new style of worker because what's interesting is in the past you had different you had different types of different behavior profiles or worker profiles uh, and you had office users you had remote workers you had teams you had you had teams that would gather on an ongoing basis every day you you had business travelers, you had different profiles. And now what's happening with within this new emerging world of work is all of those five profiles are now becoming one profile and it's a hybrid worker. Um, I'm a firm believer when you think, and Jane mentioned some great points. You know, today, you're right, we, look, we're social beings. We miss each other, right? We like the opportunity to be able to gather and interact uh, together in a live way. And the reality is over the last year, um, working from home in the pandemic has frankly just become a big equalizer because we've all been in the same type of environment, albeit obviously different depending on tools, et cetera, available. But for the most part, 
we've all been living the same universal experience of working from home. What's happening moving forward is the world to me will not look like home versus office. That you're seeing a lot of information that's coming out, which drives kind of this this polarity of what what it's like working from home versus an office and the needs of one versus another. What's going to happen moving forward is work is going to become ubiquitous. And on, and on a day-to-day basis, if not an hour-to-hour basis, we as a workforce will plan and choose where we need to work and what tools we need to access every day or every hour in order to maximize what's in front of us. So what I'm excited about, when you think about the office, I can't wait to get back and gather with a large group of people. The office is going to shift, and Jane mentioned it earlier on. The office is shifting from a design perspective and a requirement perspective where it's really going to become the trophy office. People are going to head to a traditional, let's call it a traditional headquarters, when, when, when the need explicitly resides. And maybe it's once or twice a week. Maybe it's once a month, depending on the job of each person and, and also depending on what's required of them at that time. They'll go to collaborate. They'll congregate. They'll meet with their team members, their employees, um, uh, their supervisors. Uh, and then working from home will be an element as well. When you've got head down work that you want to be productive on, and you need some quiet time. Then you've got this dramatic, uh, dramatic uh, third area where I think flexibility plays a key role. And what we've been doing is a few things. One, we've set our sights on the fact that we know 3,500 locations although it's the largest network for flexible workspace globally, isn't big enough. We need 30,000 locations. 3,500 needs to grow tenfold to over 30,000 because workplace centricity has shifted. People will have the ability to work from very different markets, very different cities, tertiary markets, um, secondary cities, suburbs. Our suburban business has been booming over the last six months. So the network has to continue to grow, which obviously requires tremendous capital. We've shifted our business to move towards more partnership agreements with our landlord partners, as well as franchising, which we've launched because the market of flex today is only account, it only represents about 1.6% of total commercial real estate, but many experts predict that it's gonna to grow to 30% by 2030. And this movement towards hybrid working and, and ubiquity of workplace is going to accelerate that, that transition. So we've got to grow. That's a big plan. And then what we've also been doing over the last six months is, frankly, really start to shift away from investment just within locations and really create a great digital experience as well. Because when clients are working from home, they need the ability to be able to work digitally as best as possible, almost making it feel immersive, as immersive as possible that they're in a live environment. And then to be able to access all the tools they need. And also, let's not forget kind of the comfort of what they need, because I think many of us, including myself many days, been working from a couch at times in in my living room, right? Just to change change the environment throughout the day, or depending on where my partner needs to work and I need to work. So so one, we've invested in digital tools. We've been investing in 
complementary companies to build out our virtual office services. Um, and then also we've, we've really doubled down on technology from a platform perspective, because we the goal is to move to a place where people can access whatever space they need, whether it's digital or physical, just from the simple point of an app, just like somebody would access their Spotify account and grab their playlist or or listen to new music. So that that's the goal is simplicity and cleanliness in the process, which requires obviously a lot of IT infrastructure. Uh, it's a really fascinating sort of overview of all the things that you're doing, Wayne. And I know that um, even well before the pandemic, when we talked previously, this was sort of like a vision that you had for the future of work. And it sounds like in many ways, uh, it's just been accelerated. And uh, that's been an outcome of, of this pandemic. And um, it sounds like you have a lot of scaling up plans. But one, one more note I want to fo focus on here as we wrap up is around biosecurity. You know, I, I think one of the outcomes of this pandemic, after a year of us all thinking so much about how to avoid infection from a virus, I think it, some of that is going to linger with us and people are going to remain sort of um, concerned about uh, getting sick, whether it's with coronavirus or whatever flu is going around in and when they return to like an office environment. And for, for IWD, I just wonder what the implications of that are for you in terms of how, how you host your uh, clients there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a very good question, Brian. And I think it's, it's interesting because what's happening today, and this is it's natural, it's human nature. Everything we're doing because we're living in this very moment, everything we're trying to plan for, much of, of what we discuss, communicate, it, you, know, you look at our, our, um, our, our media newsreels, Everything we're looking at today is in the lens of a pandemic, right? It's how to eradicate the pandemic, how to transition from a pandemic. This pandemic will continue to be here and will, I'm sure, become more endemic over time. Um, but everything right now is based on the immediate future. So in terms of biosecurity, to your point, we, we have been investigating uh, different ways to be able to incorporate biosecurity measures and, and continue to ensure that people and workers and companies feel safe coming back to the office. Now, it's a partnership element for us because many times we operate uh, a flex space location, a co-working location in a building that may also have other primary occupiers. So, so there's a landlord component to that when it comes to kind of the prop tech element of investing biosecurity measures within the building itself. Um, and then, of course, within our space. So we, we've, we've continued to focus and looking at different investment areas where we feel we need to have that investment early on and then really what it looks like over, uh, over time. So it's something that it stays on the table um, and is, is active pursuit. The, but the other piece I want to make mention, which is, which is interesting, is um, as we kind of scale out of the, of the pandemic, um, where we've been looking at investment, which kind of relates back to the network as well as technology interface, is um, is really the next critical theme of what I think we'll all be discussing um, over the next 10 years, and that's the commitment to the environment. Um, you know, right now, 
as I mentioned, the lens that we look things through is the pandemic, but that will transition as vaccinations continue, as, as mainstream working populations start to become vaccinated over time, and as we manage to greatly reduce uh, case counts and uh, variants, et cetera. Um, what will happen is this dramatic shift towards the environment. And I think this is a, not just a brilliant thing for the future, uh, but also for the role that we can collectively play as a workforce, right? Um, <clears throat> and one of the things we've been adopting is the 15-minute city. So cities like Paris, Melbourne, Milan, San Francisco um, have all been uh, embracing this, this strategic approach to the 15-minute city, which gives their residents uh, in cities essentially the ability to be able to live, work, and access all the services, all the amenities they need within a five to a 15-minute bike ride. During the last year, many cities have taken this time during a pandemic, recognizing the reduction in uh, commuting and transit to start deploying more bike lanes, repurposing buildings, become multi-purpose buildings, deploying more park space, really start to shift cities towards a more greener outlook and, and, and work towards eradicating, reducing CO2 emissions. As a company, we have a goal to be carbon neutral by 2025. Um, but what we're trying to do is help be a strong enabler to help company, or to help cities and people live this 15-minute city. Um, and I think this is going to be a critical, critical area for all of us to really start to look at and deploy, especially as urbanization grows. Because by 2050, uh, National Geographic predicts that 85% of the world's population, which continues to grow, uh, it will will be living in an urban environment, moving to cities. And the number today stands at 52%. Wow. So you're going to see this dramatic growth. I know people talk about the exodus <clears throat> from cities. They're coming back. <laughs> it's going back the other way, right? Wayne, thank you so much for sharing your view on that. And thanks for joining us today on Tech Insights. Uh, really appreciate the positive energy that you brought and uh, all these fascinating anecdotes and views of working in the future that you have. Thank you for having me, Brian, and wish you, Jane, and all of our listeners uh, an amazing year in 2021. And uh, thanks again for taking the time. We appreciate the opportunity. Jane, thanks for you as well to join us on Tech Insights. No problem. Happy to be here and happy to talk about this anytime. And for our listeners, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, every week on Monday morning, you get a new episode of Tech Insights. So you have to subscribe or as Apple likes to say now, you have to follow us. So we're available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. Really, wherever you want podcasts, you can get Tech Insights. I'm Brian Jackson.